This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, our first program was first aired in 1948, Let George Do It, an American radio drama series produced from 46 to 54 by Owen Pauline Vincent. Bob Bailey starred as private investigator George Valentine. Clients came to Valentine's office after reading a newspaper that carried his classified ad. He was a professional detective, Valentine's secretary, Claire Brooks, a.k.a. Brooksy. The background music was supplied by Eddie Dunstetter, initially with a full orchestra. However, when television surplanted radio as the country's primary home entertainment, radio budgets got skimpier and skimpier, and Dunstetter's orchestra was replaced by an organ, played by Dunstetter. Gee, how embarrassing. But since this show was broadcast a year earlier, I, in 1949, I think we get the full treatment of Dunstetter's Orchestra, and Have Some Excitement is the name of the episode. Gentlemen, Colgate Dental Cream presents the Dennis Day Show, written by Frank Galen, with Sharon Douglas, Paula Winslow, Dink Trout, John Brown, Charles Danton, the orchestra, yours truly, Vern Smith, and starring our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Here's Dennis to sing My Pretty Girl. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me Promise me you will never grieve me Promise me you will not deceive me Oh, my pretty girl Please give me just one kiss One sweet kiss you won't miss For your kiss brings such bliss To my lonely heart My pretty girl, my pretty girl I'm always dreaming of you My pretty girl, my pretty girl My darling, how I love you 
Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl. Okay, now grab your partner. Up center and around outside and balance on your corner. Oh, swing, oh, swing that pretty little girl and promenade the one that's left behind you. Dance with me through the night. Let my arms hold you tight. And with dawn's early light, let me take you home. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl. Promise me you will love me ever. Promise me you will leave me never. Promise me. We'll remain together, oh my pretty girl, oh my pretty girl. As you know, our young hero, Dennis Day, works behind the soda fountain of Willoughby's Drugstore in the little community of Weaverville. Now, you'll say it's hardly likely that a small-town soda jerk's name should become a byword in our nation's capital at Washington, D.C. Well, likely or not, that's exactly what's happened. In Washington's National Income Tax Bureau, an excited clerk has just discovered that a perverse fate chose to single out our hero from among the millions. Great Scott, Charlie, look at this. What's the matter? Some guy named Dennis Day sent us $10 to pay his income tax. Only he figured it wrong, and we found we had to refund him some money. All right. $10. Well, what about it? Well, just look at this voucher, man. The check printing machine went crazy. We sent him a check for $100,000. What are we going to do about it, Charlie? Ah, forget it. (laughs) Forget it. Charlie, the Democrats aren't here anymore. I'm taking the next plane to Weaverville. But at the Anderson boarding house in Weaverville, it's quite apparent that the envelope containing the $100,000 check is not yet in the hands of its young addressee, for we find the most discouraged Dennis talking to his girlfriend, Mildred Anderson. A flop, that's what I am, Mildred. A complete failure. Oh, now, Dennis, don't talk like that. But it's true. Here I am, 22 years old and making only $8 a week. (laughs) Well, you have a roof over your head and three good meals a day. There's more to life than just food and shelter, Mildred. There are other things I'd like to have, too, like shoes. (laughs) Well, Dennis, maybe if you'd ask Mr. Willoughby for a raise... But I did, just the other day. I said to him, Mr. Willoughby, why don't you be fair? Pay me what I'm worth. And he refused? Yeah, he said no one could live on less than $8 a week. (laughs) It's no use, Mildred. I'm going to leave Weaverville. That's all. Oh, now, don't say that, Dennis. I know what your whole trouble is. You just don't inspire confidence in people. You, well, you look so young. Gosh, that isn't my fault, Mildred. It could happen to anybody 22 years old. (laughs) Oh, I know it's not your fault, but we ought to do something about it. Let's think a minute. How can we age you? Age me? Yes. What makes a man look older? 
Do you know what makes my father look older, for instance? Sure, but I'm not married to her. <laughs> Silly. But if you looked older, like Good my father... Good morning, Mildred. Good morning, young man. Good morning, Mother. Good morning, Mrs. Anderson. Mother Dennis was just telling me how discouraged he is. He wants to leave Weaverville. Yeah, for good. Never come back. That's the way to talk, my boy. Go to it. <laughs> He'll do no such thing. We've decided the only reason he isn't a success is because he looks so young. I brought in the mail, Pupsy. <laughs> morning, children. Morning, good morning, Father. Mr. Anderson. I'll take those letters, Herbert. Yes, lover girl. <laughs> Oh, here's one for you, Dennis. It's from the Income Tax Bureau in Washington, D.C. Gosh, I hope I'm not in some kind of trouble. Well, come along, Herbert. We have housework to do. Yes, I know. Lead the way, light of my life. <laughs> Golly. I better open this letter and see what it is. Oh, I should say so. Mr. Dennis Day, dear sir... Enclosed, please find check in the amount of $10 covering refund on overpaid income tax. Boy, that's a relief. I thought I was going to go to jail. Oh, well, is the check in it? Yeah, it's down at the bottom of the envelope. There, you see? Just when everything looked darkest, along comes the government and sends you a $10 tax refund. I know, but it's nothing I can depend on every week. <laughs> well, I'd better deposit this at the bank on my way to work. I'll see you tonight, Mildred, huh? All right, Dennis. Oh, oh, here, give Daddy these glasses on your way out. He left them on the table before when... <gasps> Dennis! Huh? My father's glasses, don't you see? Those glasses with a black silk ribbon. Why, they put 20 years on you. But Mildred, 20... Oh, Dennis, they're just what we've been looking for. Try them on. Well, okay. There, how do I... Mildred, where are you? Come back! <laughs> I haven't moved an inch. It's the glasses. Oh, but Dennis, you have no idea how distinguished they make you look. Can't you see yourself in that mirror on the wall? I can't even see the wall. <laughs> Never mind. Just keep them on when you go down to the bank. Oh, you'll see what a difference it makes in the way people treat you. Gosh, I hope so. Am I pointed in the direction of the bank? Uh-huh. Good. Give me a push. <laughs> And so off our hero went, completely unaware that in his pocket was a check on the United States Treasury for $100,000. Entering the bank, he removed his glasses so he could find the deposit window, then put them back on, took his check out of the envelope, and presented it to the teller. I'd like to deposit this check, please. Where's your deposit slip? Oh, do you need one of those? What I have to go through with these jerks. <laughs> All right, give me the check. Pay to the order of Dennis Day. Yay, 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 yay. This is your check, sir? Yeah, is there anything wrong with it? Oh, no, sir. No, Your Honor. Your worship, sir. Gee, for a minute, I didn't think these glasses were going to work. Would you mind stepping over to our president's office, sir? I'm sure Mr. Courtney would like to take care of you personally. Really? Oh, yes, sir. Naturally, if he'd known you were coming, he'd have called a special meeting of the board of directors. Boy, what glasses! <laughs> Will you wait just a moment? I'll tell Mr. Courtney you're here. Mr. Courtney, there's a very important depositor outside, a Mr. Dennis Day. Dennis Day? Never heard of him. What's he look like? An eccentric millionaire. He's wearing pince-nez glasses on a black ribbon attached to his sweatshirt. <laughs> he, uh, he wants to deposit this. Well, here, let me see it. 
Day to the order of Dennis Day. Yipe! Well, don't, don't, don't stand there. Send him right in. Yes, sir. Right this way, Mr. Day. This is Mr. Courtney, our president. It's a privilege to meet you, sir. Glad to meet you, Mr. Courtney. No, no, no. You're shaking the curtain. I'm over here. (laughs) Oh, pardon me. Oh, do sit down, Mr. Day. Can I offer you a clear Havana? Oh, no, thanks. I'm not thirsty. (laughs) Very good. So you wish to deposit this check with us, eh? That's right. If I'm not too personal, how did you happen to get a government check of this size? It's a refund on my income tax. (laughs) Merciful heavens, I... uh, Will you be making deposits of this amount often? I guess so. That's about what my weekly salary is. (laughs) Again? Uh, Will you be making withdrawals, too, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, of course. Well, be sure and let us know in time so we can bring up the bank's reserves from New York, eh? Gee, this bank operates with very little cash, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, we'll grow, Mr. Day. Uh, By the way, what business are you in? Oh, I'm learning the drug business. Learning. (laughs) I'll bet you're cleaning up plenty for a beginner, eh, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, sir. Every morning. That's rich. You, you you work in a big chain, I presume? Oh, no, sir. My boss trusts me. I, George, you do have a sense of humor. Say, I, I hope you won't think I'm too forward, Mr. Day, but, well, I've been thinking of taking a little flyer lately. How do you like the market? Fine. The food is good, and it seems very clean. Hmm. I'm sorry, Mr. Courtney, but I have to get back to the drugstore. I'm awfully late for work. Oh, I quite understand, but would you do one favor for me? Take this along. Read it in your spare time. And phone me and tell me what you think about it. What is it? It's a financial statement of the company I'm thinking of buying shares in. The Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal Railroad. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm terribly grateful. I do want to make a success of my career... Just as you have. Well, there's nothing hard about it. All you need is a pair of these glasses. <laughs> Gosh, I've never been so late to work. Mr. Willoughby's going to be furious. Oh, well, I guess I may as go, well go in and face him. I better put the glasses back on. At least he can't hit me if I'm wearing them. Dennis, my boy, my dear, dear boy. Son! Gee, they even work on him. I'm sorry I'm so late, sir. You're talking to the Coca-Cola machine. I'm over here. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's all right, son. I just had a phone call from my nephew. He's a teller over at the bank. Dennis, my boy, why didn't you tell me? Tell you? Of course. Dennis, I've known all along there was something in that head of yours. It never occurred to me it might be a brain. A brain? Sure. And here you were all the time living like a poor boy. How did you ever do it? It wasn't so hard on my salary. Ah, we won't speak of salary anymore, Dennis. From now on, you're going to be my partner in this drugstore. I better get another pair of these glasses in case this pair breaks. 
You see, son, I figure we can really fix this place up for about $5,000. And what's 5000 to a man like you, huh? <laughs> the same as 500 Yeah, just about. But, Mr. Willoughby... Tut, tut, my boy. Consider yourself a full-fledged partner. Oh, there's a customer coming in. Take off your glasses and wait on him. Partner. You bet I will, partner. You just watch me. Now that I'm a partner, I'll sell him everything in the store. How do you do, sir? Can I serve you, sir? Yes. Uh, I just uh, I just weighed myself on your scale outside. It's uh, it's broken, and I'd like my penny back. <laughs> The scale isn't broken, sir. I say it is. It's got a sign on it that says your weight and your fortune for a penny. I got my weight, but the place where the fortune was supposed to be came out blank. Well, that scale always works, sir. Maybe you've just got no future. Now, uh, look, uh, I'm not going to argue about it. If you want to get tough, I'll have a lawyer up here in ten minutes. Gosh, you'd go through all that just for a penny? It isn't the penny. Believe me, I've taken girls out and spent a hundred times that on them. <laughs> it's just that I was dying to have my fortune told. Well, if you'll give me your palm, I'll be very happy to read it for you. That won't do. Now, do I get my penny or don't I? Well, I can't give it to you, sir, but I'll take it up with the company that owns the scale. If you'll fill out this form, you should have your money within a few months. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. I'm almost tempted to forget the whole thing. Yes, sir. I said almost. <laughs> yes, sir. Could I have your name, please? Uh, the name Benny. Benny what? Uh, Jack. <laughs> Jack Benny. And your address, sir? Care of F.E. Boone, Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you, sir. I'll have them send you the money as quickly as possible. Well, see that you do. Or the next time I weigh myself, somebody else will get my business. Good day. Good day, sir. Benny. Jack Benny. Gee, that name is awfully familiar. No, it's no use. I can't seem to place him. You mean Mr. Courtney actually asked for your advice? Uh-huh, and that isn't all. After I got back from the bank, Mr. Willoughby made me a partner in his drugstore. Golly, all this just from wearing Daddy's glasses. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, put them on quick. Here comes Mother up the walk. Okay, here it comes. The final test. Dennis, my son. My own dear sweet son. Now I know they're foolproof. <laughs> oh, Dennis, I've heard about you from just everyone downtown. I want you to know how proud and happy I am to have you boarding here. Gee, thanks, Mrs. Anderson. Now, about that two weeks' rent I owe oh, you, I... Oh, Dennis, my son. Oh, here, let me take your coat. Okay, but you'll be losing money on the deal. <laughs> I mean to hang up. <laughs> Just to hang up, silly boy. 
Oh, Mildred, I'm so proud of him, aren't you? Oh, yes, Mother. Dennis, my son. My dear, fine son. Gosh, you too, Mr. Anderson? These are your glasses. Oh, Dennis, I feel like your mother as well as Mildred's. I, I wonder if you'd mind kissing me in a motherly sort of way. Sure, Mrs. Anderson, I'd be glad to. You kissed me, Dennis. Poopsie's over there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Pardon me, Mr. Anderson. Well, now suppose we all go into the dining room and have... Oh, I wonder who that is. I'll answer it. Yes? How do you do? My name is Elliot. I'm a reporter on the Middletown News. My editor sent me over for an interview with a Mr. Dennis Day. Why, that's me. Good. Mr. Day, we understand you just received one of the largest income tax refunds ever given out. I did? Gosh, the government's pretty stingy, isn't it? <laughs> uh, be that as it may, I'm here to get the story of America's leading drug tycoon. Just how did you get your start in life, Mr. Day? Well, my father called the doctor in the middle of the night and they rushed my... Not that far back! <laughs> We're only interested in your business career, Mr. Day. And by the way, why weren't we able to locate you in Dun and Bradstreet? Well, that's easy, because I live at 4th and Elm. <laughs> this interview should make me famous in journalism. Do you mind if I ask you a few general questions, Mr. Day? Fire away. <laughs> Believe me, I love to. <laughs> What do you think of the high cost of living? Oh, I intend to keep on doing it, no matter how high the cost gets. <laughs> do you mind if I don't quote you on that? Not at all. Thank you. What have you to say on the subject of Russia? It gets very cold there. <laughs> Just the stuff our readers want. Anything else on Russia? Well, just that it's good that there is a Russia because there are so many Russians that if there weren't a Russia, where would they all go? <laughs> Excellent question. My editor also wants to know what you think of the Japanese situation. Personally, I think my editor has stones in his head, but here goes. What do you know about Japan? Well, Japan is smaller than Russia. Now we're getting somewhere And it's much warmer and has fewer Russians <laughs> Scoop after scoop <laughs> And now to return to the home front For what reason I can't imagine <laughs> How do you feel about labor? I think a person should, unless he's lazy. I put it down just as you said it. Well, that concludes one of the most amazing afternoons of my life. Thank you, Mr. Day, and goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Oh, uh, whereabouts in your newspaper will this interview appear? In our lost and found column. Goodbye. <laughs> Dennis? Oh, some fellow from a newspaper. I've been interviewed. Oh, Dennis, how wonderful. You'll be famous all over the country. 
Gee, what do you know? I'll bet that's the newsreels. Oh, I do hope so. Come in. Anybody named Dennis Day live here? Yes, sir, that's me. So you're the fella. I'm from Washington, Mr. Day. I'm sorry, but I do not choose to run. <laughs> I'm from the Income Tax Bureau. I'm here to correct a little mistake. Mistake? Yeah, that tax refund check we sent you for $100,000 was a little off. It should have been for 10 bucks. Oh, so that's it. A mistake. I should have known. Wait a minute. I don't understand. We what? thought you were rich, you idiot. We thought you got an income tax refund of $100,000. Oh, gosh, no. I don't pay that much income tax in two years. <laughs> Dennis Day, you're an imbecile. If you... Gosh, what traffic tonight. Come in. Dennis, my boy, my wonderful boy. Wait, Mr. Courtney, it's all a mistake. Oh, I know that. I've seen the income tax man. But you saved me a fortune today. When you called at noon and said not to buy Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal, I didn't. And this afternoon, it went down 12 points. Gosh. This hundred dollars is for you, Dennis. And thanks. Oh, Dennis, my dear, sweet son. Can't get over it. A young man with no financial experience, and he tells me not to touch that stock. How did you know? Why, from that statement I read, Mr. Courtney. The statement? Sure. It said that their assets were $15 million and their liabilities were $15 million. Yes? Why, that darn railroad was just barely breaking even. <laughs> Here's Dennis Day and Charles Dance's beautiful arrangement of the anniversary song. Oh, how we danced on the night we were wed. We Singing a hymn to your church. 
Stay tuned for Dennis Day next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the Irish guy with the gorgeous tenor voice, Dennis Day, to serenade us and receive a visit from his old friend, Jack Benny. Standard of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invite you to Let George Do It. Another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice. Danger is my stock and trade. If it's too hot for you to handle and far off the beaten track, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. My dear sir, if uh, you're a moviegoer at all, you must know me, Peter Murch, the small, ineffectual man everyone laughs at as soon as he appears on the screen. But uh, there's nothing humorous about my present dilemma. After 30 years, I'm to be starred in my next picture. But unless you can help me, I'll have to say no to this dream of a lifetime. This is hard to explain in so many words. But if you'll meet me at the Farm Food Vegetarian Restaurant at 1 o'clock today, I'll explain everything. Signed, urgently, Peter Murch. Oh, sure, Brooksy. You know, that gnome-like character from the movies? Oh, Casper Milk Toast himself. That's the guy. The hand-picked little man who puts galoshes over his rubbers when it rains. <laughs> George Valentine, maker of stars. Hey, I wonder how I fit into this program. Well, I can't wait to find out. Well, then, on to Mr. Murch. Oh, but just one thing, George. Yeah, what's that, Angel? Well, if we have to have lunch at a vegetarian restaurant, could we stop off for a, a hamburger first? <laughs> Veggie burgers. I insist we have veggie burgers for lunch. Veggie burgers? Yes, indeed, Miss Brooks. And if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know they were made of nuts and choice legumes. Peas, beans, Yeah, and... I'm sure they're going to be real tasty. But uh, what about your letter? What's on your mind, Mr. Murch? Oh, dear. I knew that letter would sound confusing. To say the least. You see, Mr. Valentine, I had a long talk with my psychoanalyst. And you know what? What? I'm uh, schizophrenic. Oh, no. I'm not one person, I'm two, battling furiously with each other. Who's winning? I'm not really that mild, retiring little man that millions of people know. No. There's another side of me that craves excitement, even violence. Oh, now, wait a minute, Mr. Murcher. But it's quite true, young man. My psychoanalyst tells me I just can't go on being a house divided. No. I simply must involve myself in some kind of uh, exciting adventure. Well, what does your doctor expect you to do? Go out and kiss the first beautiful blonde you see on the street? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm serious, Mr. Valentine. Look at me. 
practically a nervous wreck. I simply can't go on being the prim Peter Murch my public expects of me. When the director says, lights, camera, I begin to shake. So that's the other side of me coming out. Oh, that's bad. Yes, I break into a cold sweat. I, I feel like screaming right out there in front of everybody. Well, maybe all you need is a good scream. Oh, no, it isn't that simple. My psychoanalyst says I've been playing the timid soul in my personal life as well as on the screen. And it's affecting me. Anyway, I can't go into this new picture. Oh, but Mr. Murch, you've worked so hard all these years. And this is your first starring role. And it would be my first failure, too, in my mental condition. And, uh, you want me to provide the excitement? Yes, Mr. Valentine. Uh, perhaps introduce me to some low, disreputable characters. Uh, take me to places where almost anything can happen, you know. You really think that would help? Well, my psychoanalyst seems to think so. Uh, you will help me, won't you, Mr. Valentine? Well, uh, I'll pay your regular fee and whatever expenses we incur. Uh, well, okay, it's a deal. We'll see what forms of mild excitement we can find for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Valentine. I'll be grateful to you as long as I live. Uh, can we start now? Oh, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to make some plans. Uh, what about 8 o'clock tonight? You see, I usually don't go out hunting excitement, Mr. Murch. As a rule, it just happens. <laughs> No, George. You're not going to take poor Mr. Murch to Mark Logan's grotto. Well, he wants excitement. Yeah, but not that low dive. He'll faint as soon as he gets in the door. Oh, darling, Mark Logan is a respectable citizen these days. He's gone straight. Yeah, in a crooked sort of way. He's running a genteel pool parlor and so-called grill. And if a fight breaks out now and then, you can't blame Mark. <laughs> Try and hit me with a pool cue, are you? Ah, you had a comedy. I seen you move that number seven ball when you thought I wasn't looking. Why you? Oh, oh, Mr. Valentine. Oh, my goodness. This will show you. Well, there you are, Mr. Murch. Life on the raw. Oh, my, this is exciting. Third brawl in one hour. Just what the doctor ordered. Okay, let that mug get up or beat his brains in. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you apart. Come on, now, you two lugs. Break it up and get back to your game. I'm running a respectable joint here. Not yet, Logan. Not before I split his skull with his chair. My goodness. Oh, another inch, Boy. Mr. Murch, and that chair would have parted your head. Yeah, and permanently. Okay, beat it, both of you. Finish it out in the alley. All right, Logan, it won't take me long. I'll make you look like a pot of hamburger, brother. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you got to excuse him, Mr. Valentine. The boys get kind of playful once in a while. Oh, sure, Mr. Logan. And you lose more pool cues that way. Oh, uh, Mr. Murch, we'd better get out of here before things really get rough. Oh, I wouldn't think of it for a moment. I'm just beginning to feel better. Oh... Uh, Mr. Murch. Yes, Mr. Valentine. Here's a nickel. Well, thank you. Why don't you get something on the jukebox over there? I, uh, I want to talk to Mr. Logan a minute. Oh, this is so exciting. Evening, how do we... Don't pay no attention to them numbers, Mr. Murch. Wherever you put your nickel, all you get is Mother McCree. That's my favorite. George, I'm afraid we've underestimated our timid soul. He can't get enough. Yeah, and you certainly did your best, Logan. Yeah, which brings up a point, Mr. Valentine. I don't want to be mercenary or nothing like that. Yeah. But there's a question of money. Joe and Alex just now almost killed themselves. There's the mother two fights we framed up. <laughs> okay, Logan. Hey, uh, this ought to take care of the boys. Yeah, thanks. Say, if I knew you was willing to pay this much, I could have fixed up something real messy for the old boy. Oh, that song. Ain't it beautiful? 
Mother McCree. Yeah, sure. Got any other ideas for excitement, Logan? Well, that little guy don't scare easy. Now, wait. How about this? When you people leave the joint, I'll get the boys to drive up in a big black sedan. Yeah? They grab the little guy and take him out in the country for a spell. <laughs> you mean kidnap him? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't put it that way, Miss Brooks. They lock him in a cellar for a couple of days, keep him tied up. Ain't gonna hurt him, huh? Oh. Hey, hold it, Logan. That's going a little too far. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an idea. Yeah. And I think it'll work, too. What's that? Here's what you do. You take Mr. Murch out to the seaside amusement park. Oh, after this, a ride on the Ferris wheel is going to leave him cold. Oh, it's nothing like that. You're going to take him through the tunnel of love. Oh, Mr. Logan, I'll admit you can find a certain kind of excitement in the tunnel of love. But I doubt if Peter Murch is my type. Uh, he was talking to me, Brooks. He's not your type, either. Uh, what I was thinking, Mr. Valentine, is uh, I happen to know the guy who runs the tunnel of love. His name is Len Dimmick. Oh, goody, George. Maybe we can get a special discount. What I mean is I'll call up Len and have him take the trip through the tunnel with you, personal. He's one of them practical jokers, so he'll play along with the gig. Now, dream up a couple of stunts. Leave it to Len to find a way to scare the pants off here, Mr. Murch. Well, it's worth a try, Logan, and the night's getting shorter. I gotta earn my fee. You wanna get out of that amusement park quick? Better take Walton Boulevard. They're tearing up Grayson Avenue. Okay, thanks a lot, Logan. Oh, Mr. Murch. Hmm? Yes, Mr. Valentine? Uh, if you can drag yourself away from Mother McCree, we'd like you to join us in a blood-curdling journey through the Tunnel of Love. Oh, just think of it. The three of us, alone, together. This should be real exciting. Nice racket you got here, Demick. Selling five minutes worth of darkness? Darkness is a valuable commodity, Mr. Valentine. It... it is? Yeah. Just like I was telling Mr. Murch here. Well, after all those gruesome things you've been telling us, I, I don't think I want to hear any more. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mr. Murch. Demick is right. Now, could you find a cozier place for a murder than a tunnel of love? Yeah, that reminds me. I remember a happy couple who took a ride through here... Just for a little innocent smoochie. And then... Yes? Suddenly, death struck. A silent, cruel blow. I, uh, I wish we had some light in here. What? In the tunnel of love? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that, Timmy. It was an unsolved crime, wasn't it? Often wondered how the poor man was killed. And how the young lady felt when she heard him scream. Here, in the darkness. Mr. Dimmick, what was that? Oh, one of the many voices of darkness that echoed through the tunnel of love. Just calm yourself, Mr. Murch. Well, <laughs> I wasn't really frightened at all, Mr. Valentine. Uh-huh. You're a brave man, Mr. Murch. Nobody knows what the next step into the darkness may lead to. Nobody knows... Oh. Mr. Dimmick! <laughs> I think our friend missed his profession. He should have been an actor. Mr. Valentine... Mr. Dimmick, I... I think he's fainted. Huh? Fainted? And his hair... Uh, I think it's blood. Oh, what are you talking about? Uh, uh, wait, my... My head. Let me get to it. George, he's not doing it. I'll light a match. 
Look at him. We've got to get him out of here. Get him to a hospital. In in my... He's trying to say something to you, Mr. Valentine. What is it, Demick? What is it? What are you trying to say? In my pocket. Transfer. Yeah, yeah. Take it. First transfer. Hold on. Huh? We'll get a doctor, Mr. Demick. He'll take care of you. Here, strike another match, will you, Mr. Murch? He can't guess. I don't think Timmick has much use for a doctor now, Brooksy. George. But, Mr. Valentine, this can't be true. Why, things like this simply don't happen. I'm afraid this is an exception to the rule, Mr. Murch. Timmick's been murdered. We'll return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, a word about how to be kind to your starter. It's often the little things that make your day a good one or a rough one. The simple business of starting your car, for example. If it's obstinate and gives you a bad time when you want to get going, it can add up to a lot of irritation. For fast starts every time, and wherever you're driving, just try Chevron Supreme gasoline in your car. This premium quality gasoline is climate-tailored, specially adapted to each different climate and altitude zone in the West. Day or night, summer or winter, you can depend upon it for fast starts. And that's a saving, too, of the power in your battery. What's more, Chevron Supreme gives your car smooth acceleration and extra power for rugged hills. Get a tank full tomorrow at any standard station or independent Chevron gas station where they say and mean, we'll take better care of your car. Now, back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine. Well, here's the situation. You take on a cockeyed job because that happens to be your business. A character actor wants you to provide him with some excitement because his psychoanalyst told him he's been playing the meek, timid type so long, it's beginning to affect his work. So, you give Peter Murch a ride for his money, including a ride through the tunnel of love in an amusement park. And then, murder strikes in the darkness. Valentine. Yeah, Lieutenant Raleigh. Usually people manage to get killed in bed, in their home, or on the street. But Dimmick gets murdered in his own tunnel of love. And you're right there with him. Oh, I know it sounds fantastic, Lieutenant. But believe me, we were just trying to introduce a little excitement into Mr. Murch's life. That's right. It was all very innocent. Ah. Oh, well, how was George to know anything like this would happen? Miss Brooks, I'm just a public servant. I get paid a reasonable sum each month to maintain law and order. And I don't like it when somebody gets paid to promote pool room brawls and instigate other forms of public disturbance. All right, stop quoting the policeman. Your lieutenant. Yeah. Whatever happened here tonight would have happened whether I was in on this deal or not. It's just that my psychoanalyst Mr. said... Mr. Murch, uh, why don't you go somewhere and have a nice, quiet, nervous breakdown? Well, my psychoanalyst... When I'm through here, I'll come and join you. Uh, murder in the tunnel of love. Lieutenant. Yes, Brennan. The doc just got through with Dimmick. Skull fracture. Blundenstrom. All right, I'll be right there. Uh, tell the boys to get some lights set up in that tunnel. We're going to go over it inch by inch. Yes, sir. Now, Valentine, I suppose you're going to go home to your nice warm bed. Oh, well, I'll be glad to stick around give you a hand. No, no, you? no, no, thanks, thanks. I've got enough trouble. But I want to see you the first thing in the morning in my office. Sure. And you too, Miss Brooks. Yes. And Mr. Murch. Uh, yeah, yes. 
It uh, might give you a little extra excitement to see the inside of a police station. So be there at nine sharp. But looks like we're not wanted around here, so uh, come on, Mr. Murch. I still think I ought to drop you off at your hotel, Mr. Murch. Yes, you've had enough for one night. Well, uh, my wife and I are staying at the Fenmore right here on Grayson Avenue. But I can tell, Mr. Valentine, you're not just giving up this case like that. Oh, no. You're up to something, aren't you? Well, well, yeah, you stirred up a hornet's nest somehow or other, and I want to see what it's all about. And I'm going to be right there with you. Oh, hey, no, no, wait. No, 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 there's no use arguing. George? Yeah, Brooksy? Well, that part of a bus transfer Dimmick wanted you to have, what do you make of it? I don't know yet. Well, why should anyone keep a piece of old transfer? Now, that's probably one of the most worthless things in the world. And only a third of a transfer at that. That man insisted that you have it with his dying breath. Must mean something. Yeah, well, we'll see what the lieutenant makes out of it. I gave it to him. Told him what Dimmick said. But you've made something out of it already, haven't you, Doc? Come on, let's have it. Uh... Well, as a matter of fact, you can you can tell a lot from a bus transfer, Brooksy. Even a third of a one, if you look at it real careful-like. Meaning what? That it was issued by the Orange Bus Company, route number 411. And the little punch holes, one for the year, one for the month, and even the day and the hours during which it was good. You, you noticed all those things? That transfer was issued July 29th, 1943, between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m. All of which still means nothing to me. Oh, me either at this point. But I have an idea the late Mr. Dimmick meant it to provide free transportation for his murderer to the end of the line. Hey, why are we turning off, George? Where are we going? <laughs> hey, you know something, Brooksy? Riley and I don't always agree, but he knows his business, and so do his boys. We're going down to police headquarters. Well, what for, Mr. Valentine? The police don't miss much, and when they do, they make a record of it so they'll never forget. And that's where we're headed, Mr. Murch. The Department of Unsolved Crimes. <laughs> Yeah, and this time I brought you a container of coffee, Dawson. Thought you'd need it. Well, the sleepier we can get down in this department, the better we like it. Who are your friends? Oh, my assistant, Miss Brooks and Mr. Murch. Uh, how do you do? What do you want, Valentine? You know these files aren't open to the public. Well, I'm not just the public, Dawson. Uh, your boss, Riley, told me to be down here tomorrow morning and be sure I had the right information. He said that? Well, sure, go on. Call him up. Check for yourself. Oh, no, as long as he said so. What do you want to know? If there were any unsolved crimes on July 29th, 1943. July 43, let's see. Oh, it's that file in the corner near the window. Okay, thanks. Uh, just uh, what are you looking for, Mr. Valentine? The murderer, I hope. You and I ought to be used to being left in the dark, Mr. Murch. Let's see. Yeah, July 1943. See, we got this one. Stolen car front of Grant and Company, burglary, and... Yes? And on July 29th, 5.35 p.m., $200,000 jewel robbery at Smith and Allenby Jewelers on 5th Street. The date on the transfer. Uh Uh-huh. And that picture, that's our Mr. Dimmick. Leonard Dimmick, 38, clerk at Smith and Allenby's. No suspicion of collusion and holdup. But Dimmick was operating a tunnel of love. A lot of things can happen in a man's life in five years, Brooksy. Let's see that, George. No getaway car used in robbery as far as known. Passerby observed man in gray suit carrying briefcase board orange bus outside jewelry store almost immediately after holdup. 
Witness positive man was running from store. Oh, dear me. This is just too much for me. Trace bus driver number 602, but no information on man in gray suit. Well, that's that, kids. Now we've really got to work. What's the rush, George? If we don't move fast, Brooksy, there's going to be another murder. Mr. Valentine, as I told you, this is the busiest time of the day for us here at the depot. You know, getting the buses out on schedule. Yeah, I, I understand, Mr. Eldridge. But look, this is very important. Who was your bus driver, number 602, on July 29th, 1943? Oh, very well. If you can't wait, I'll look it up for you. You see, uh, we have a file here on every man who ever worked for us. Uh-huh. 44, 43, July the 29th. Oh, yeah, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, number 602. It was, uh, was a Bob Gray. Still work for you? Oh, yeah, Bob's still with us. As a matter of fact, he's one of our steadiest men. There's nothing wrong, is there? I don't know yet. Well, where can I get hold of Mr. Graves? Why, well, I, I don't know. This is day off. All right, what's his address? Come on, come on. Uh, 1411 Dever Street. One four one one. Looks like a rooming house. Yeah, with the inevitable sign. No room. Could uh, could you take these steps a little slower, please? Oh, oh Mister Murch, I almost forgot about you. Well, I, I'm not just as young as I used to be. Who is? <laughs> but right now, I'm interested in seeing that someone else has a chance to grow a little older. Wait a minute, George. There's a name here under this bell. What does it say? Uh. Bob Gray. That's our man. But uh, who is Bob Gray? An honest toiler, Mr. Murch. To be more specific, a bus driver. To be more specific, bus driver number 602, who had a very busy day, July 29th, 1943. Yeah? Who is it? A friend of yours sent me over to talk to you, Graves. Ron, beat it. Get out of here. Okay, Bob. But Len Dimmick wouldn't like the way you treat me. What'd you say? Who are you? There's nothing much I can say with that gun stuck in my midriff. Never mind that. Who are these two? Just friends. What do you say we go inside and close the door? It'll be much easier that way. Okay. Well, what's this about Dimmick? Come on, come on, talk. I wish he wouldn't keep pointing that gun. It uh, makes me nervous. <sighs> nothing like excitement, is there, Mr. Murch? Look, mister, you said something about Dimmick. What about him? He's dead. He's... So what? You bringing me an invitation to his funeral? No. I'm just trying to postpone your funeral. What's that supposed to mean? Just this, listen. You're going to have a visitor any time now. I'm surprised he hasn't shown up before. I still say what's that supposed to mean? All right, friend, if that's your attitude. And I thought you had to have some brains to be a bus driver. How do you know so much about me? And being a bus driver, you should appreciate the value of a transfer. Even a piece of a transfer. Transfer? That's right. All right, spill it. Remember, I got this gun in your gut. George, be careful. Don't worry, Brooks. He's much too curious to shoot. Yes, but that gun may go off accidentally. Who's that? Did you bring the cops? I didn't bring anybody. Your visitor. What? Pull down your trigger finger and listen to me. What's this all about? Are you a cop? I'm strictly on my own. But if I'm right, whoever's knocking on that door is here to kill you. I'm not kidding. Huh? Well, and no one knows it better than you. You gonna do as I tell you? Huh? All right. Brooksy, you and Mr. Murch get over there in that corner, away from the door, make it snappy. Yes, George. Come on, Mr. Murch. Now, Graves, open up. Try to be natural. Put that gun away. Yeah, yeah. I'll be standing right here in back of the door. I was beginning to think you were out. Ah, uh, you know how it is, Logan. My day off. I guess I fell asleep. Awful thing happened to Len Dimmick, didn't it? Yeah, I heard about it. 
Come inside, huh? Just when we were going to split everything three ways. Yeah, that's right. That makes the gravy all the richer for you and me, don't it? I don't get it. And if there was only one, there'd be nothing but gravy left. What are you talking about? You want me to interpret? Valentine, you... What Logan means, Graves, is he was going to kill you just as he killed Dimmick. No, you're out of your mind. Maybe, but you killed Len Dimmick. When I heard about Len, I thought it was something like that. Don't listen to him, Bob. You were just too clumsy about it, Logan. I took Grayson Avenue coming back. It wasn't torn up at all the way you said. So what? You sent us the long way so you could get to the Tunnel of Love before us. That's right, George. And he'd be the only one to know that Dimmick would be inside the Tunnel of Love with us. He arranged the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. You sneaked into the Tunnel before us, Logan. You were waiting on the platform for the boat to pass. Yeah, but in, in the darkness, it could it could have been me. I could have had my head bashed in. I I don't think I feel so good. No, it wouldn't have been you, Mr. Murch. Glenn Dimmick was doing all the talking. Made himself the perfect target. Graves, you're not going to believe this guy, are you? Yeah, I believe him. You killed Len and you came here to kill me so you could have all the gravy you was talking about. Put that gun down, Bob. Put it down. Double cross me, will you? Yeah, let me have it, Graves. You've got a big enough rap against you now. George, let go. He, he shot Mr. Logan. And the first one who moves will get what he got. I'm getting out. Stay where you are. Drop that gun. Huh? I said drop it. That's better. Oh, it's the Glad to see you, Lieutenant. Sergeant Dawson called and said you were snooping around the unsolved crimes department, so I had you tailed. Oh, uh, who's this guy on the floor here? How bad's he hurt? My, my arm. He should have blown your head off. Brennan, get this man out of here to a hospital, whoever he is. That's Mark Logan, Lieutenant. Ex-con. Now runs a pool parlor. Now, what's this all about? Well, Logan's one end of a triangle. Len Dimmick, former jewelry clerk, was the second. And Graves here, bus driver, is the third. They're the trio who waltzed through that Smith and Allenby job back in 43. How do you know all of this, Valentine? Lieutenant, I think that if you go through Logan's clothes when he gets to the hospital, you'll find a third of a bus transfer on him. Wouldn't you say so, Graves? I, uh... Uh, why not? Sure, we pulled that job, the three of us. Dimmick, Logan, and me. We decided to wait five years because the jewels were too hot to touch right away. Where are they now? Buried under the water in the tunnel of love. But uh, those t- transfers... Yes, what about them? Uh, lots of things can happen in five years guy can die, get put in jail. So we decided whoever showed up with a third of the transfer from my bus would get his share. Valentine, how did you stumble onto Graves? Well, Lieutenant, why a third of a transfer? Why not a quarter or a half? I knew about Dimmick and Logan. That makes two. But there was still one more to account for. I get it, and it had to be the bus driver. That's right, Brooksy. They wouldn't leave their getaway to chance. And they were sure the bus would be right there at the exact minute. Well, I'll be... Almost $70,000 for a third of an old transfer. No wonder Logan was willing to go to all that trouble to get rid of Dimmick and Graves. Well, is that enough excitement for you, Mr. Murch? Mr. Murch! What's the matter, Brooks? He... he's fainted. Well, here we are, Mr. Murch. Feeling better? Here's your hotel, Mr. Murch. I I don't know what you think about me painting like that, but I really do feel like a new man. My psychoanalyst was so right. Think you're up to playing that star role now? Oh, yes, of course. Now that I'm convinced I'm the swaggering, masterful type at heart. Good for you, Mr. Murch. Oh, uh, 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 just one thing. Yes? Would uh, you two mind coming upstairs with me? But why? I, I stayed out so much later than I promised. Oh? You see, Mrs. Murch is such a forceful personality. 
If you're planning a motoring trip, here's something you should do to make it a safe trip. Stop in at a standard station or independent Chevron gas station before you start out and have your tires inspected. If you find they're worn smooth, have risky cuts or bruises, don't take a chance. Play safe and get a new set of grip-safe Atlas tires. The wider, skid-resisting Atlas tread gives you greater driving protection. There's more rubber to grip the road to give you quick, safe stops and absorb road shocks. With each new Atlas passenger tire, you get a full year's written warranty against damage to the tire from road hazards. No wonder Atlas is the tire known nationally for its safety, long life, and economy. Another tip. When you're on the open road, keep safe by keeping the right amount of air in each tire. And that's a job for the folks at independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we'll take better care of your car. Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear Lieutenant Riley saying, Look, Miss Brooks, my feet hurt. Let's get back to the house. Oh, please, Lieutenant. George and Maude have been away so long, I'm really worried. Let's take one look up here in the lemon grove. Well, all right. Wait till I put the flashlight on. Look. Over there. George. Oh. Hello, everybody. I was just thinking of getting up anyway. Oh. Somebody must have been staging an atomic test around here. Hey, where's Marta? Here's your answer, Valentine. She's right over here, but uh, no hurry. She couldn't move if she tried. adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and Standard stations throughout the West. Let George Do It stars Robert Bailey as George with Francis Robinson as Claire. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Tonight's story was written by David Victor and Herbert Little Jr. and directed by Don Clark. Also heard in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Mr. Murch, Joe Duvall as Logan, Paul Fries as Dimmick, Arnie Phillips as Graves, and Dick Ryan as the manager. The music is composed and conducted by Eddie Dunstetter, your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.